1824, the U.S. War Department created the Bureau of Indian Affairs. In London, romantic poet Lord Byron's diaries are burned by six of his friends. This book burning would be called the greatest crime in literary history. But also in London, King Kamehameha the Great's son, Kamehameha II, Liholiho, died while visiting King George IV. With the loss of their monarch, the Hawaiian government turns its eyes to Liholiho's brother, the next Kamehameha. But the brother is 10 years old. He was Hawaii's child monarch, Kamehameha III, who initiated the event which changed Hawaii forever, the Great Mahele. And this is Legends from the Pacific. Aloha, and thank you for joining us. This is Legends from the Pacific, episode 57, Hawaii's Child Monarch, Kamehameha III, and the Great Mahele. I am Kamuala Kaneshiro, a native Hawaiian professional writer, speaker, and Comic-Con panelist with extensive film and television experience. I study mythology, I've encountered unusual things, and I'm a geek. You can support us by getting two or three of your friends to listen to our show. This simple request goes a long way in helping us grow our show. Also, our book's Kickstarter is now live. We were actually funded within 24 hours, which means it's all stretch goals and extra rewards for you. Links can be found on our website and in our show notes. So please swing by and back our Kickstarter today. Later in this episode, your featured song, Hawaiian Word, have people seen Kamehameha III's ghost and how the Hawaiians lost their land. Okay, so before we begin, I just wanted to state this episode's subject matter is very bleak and probably our most grim episode because this is history and is still felt today. That being said, it is not my intention to guilt trip anyone or start a pity party. The intent of this episode is to educate and spread awareness because many, including some locals, are not aware of this. Kamehameha III was the kid brother of Kamehameha II. Both were sons of Kamehameha the Great and his highest ranking wife, Keopuolani. Just to be clear, this wife is not our ambitious queen, Ka'ahumanu, who we did an episode about. Ka'ahumanu was Kamehameha's favorite wife, but lower in rank to Keopuolani. Kamehameha III's full name was Ke-ve-ve-ula Ki-wa-ala o Kaui-ke-oli Kale-o-papa. When he ascended the throne, he got a much longer name that I'll save you from because I don't want to overwhelm you. For the record, it wasn't fun trying to remember his name while I attended Kamehameha schools. 
Oh, and Kauikeoli's name meant place in the dark clouds. Kauikeoli's birth was unusual to say the least, because he was stillborn. Everyone thought he was dead, but the chief who would raise him consulted his kahuna, and the kahuna said Kauikeoli would survive. So the infant was placed on a rock and fanned till Kauikeoli coughed and started breathing. Ten years later, when his brother died, Kauikeoli was groomed for his role as Kamehameha III. This took almost a year, during which our ambitious queen Ka'ahumanu assisted Kauikeoli in his duties. I imagine Ka'ahumanu was the closest thing to a mother since Kauikeoli's mother passed years earlier. It's 1825. In North America, the Trail of Tears occurs. Bolivia gains independence from Peru. In England, the steam-powered Locomotion 1 is the first steam locomotive to carry passengers on the Stockton and Darlington Public Rail. And Kauikeoli takes the throne with numerous challenges against him. British, French, and U.S. representatives are friendly, but their countries are more advanced and whispers of annexation resonate throughout Hawaii. Kauikeoli needs to modernize the Hawaiian kingdom to have the slightest chance of survival. But the new monarch also faced the personal struggle of keeping the old ways or siding with Puritan Christians who were favored by our ambitious queen Ka'ahumanu. Also, the native Hawaiian population, which has been declining since Captain Cook's arrival, now numbered around 150,000. This number would continue to decline due to foreigners exposing Hawaiians to numerous epidemics. And in 29 years, the native Hawaiian population was halved to around 75,000. Also, infant mortality rates increased, which didn't help this situation. Can you imagine facing all of these obstacles? Just take a moment. Imagine you inherit the throne. Foreign representatives from more advanced countries welcome you, but they could easily overthrow you. Also, there's an influx of foreigners trying to take your kingdom's land from you and your people. What would you do? Oh, and remember, you're 11 years old. Sadly, these issues played Kauikeoli through his reign. He did create Hawaii's first formal written laws, as well as enacting Hawaii's Constitution of 1840 and the 1852 Constitution of the Hawaiian Kingdom. This changed Hawaii from a monarchy to a constitutional monarchy. Kauikeoli saw the foreigners' greed for land. Kamehameha III wanted to help his people and instituted what was known as the Great Mahele. Mahele means portion, division, section, or zone. Okay, many consider the Great Mahele as the most important event in Hawaii's history because this is how Hawaiians lost their land. You see, private land ownership didn't exist for the Hawaiians. As we mentioned in previous episodes, Hawaiians lived in harmony with nature. They believed only the gods can own the land, 
the top ali'i, or in this case, Kamehameha, ruled the land. He made orders to his advisors, and Hawaiian commoners, or Maka'ainana, cultivated the land. Kawikeaoli understood the value of land ownership and wanted to provide for his people while at the same time preserving the land and stopping land-hungry foreigners. So, Kawikeaoli divided the land into thirds. One third remained for the royalty. The second third went to his advisors who held power. The last third went to the Hawaiian commoners, the Maka'ainana. While Kawikeaoli meant well, this backfired. Hawaiians never comprehended owning land and were easily swindled for what they viewed as valuable items in exchange for something they believed no one could own or was owned by a higher power. Think of it this way. Imagine it's present day. You're minding your own business, walking along the shoulder of a main public road owned by the state or government for our international listeners. Off to the side in the rough terrain, foreigners struggle navigating their ridiculously expensive SUV. They pull up to you and say, that's a nice road you got there. Mind if we buy it from you? You know it's a public road. Everyone knows it's a public road. You saw a news article a little while ago verifying it's a public road. So you tell the foreigners, hey, I don't own this road. It's public. Anyone can use it. It's owned by the state, and I am not the state. The foreigners are like, okay, whatever. Look, we're tired of driving through this rough terrain. We make a billion dollars a year. So how about we deposit a million dollars into your account for your road? Just sign here. You look at the paper. It reads that you told these foreigners this is a public road owned by the state, not you since you are not the state. But they're paying you a million dollars to sell something you don't own. Also, this document does not hold you legally responsible for anything. And if they tried taking you to court or taking back their money, you'd automatically get $5 million. A car on the road pulls up. You stop it. In the car is a judge. You ask him to look over the contract. The judge agrees you'd be at no fault. The contract is in your favor. And who would make such an idiotic contract? You quickly send the judge on his way. Tell the foreigners you'll do it for a hundred million dollars, tax free, because you don't want to be greedy. The foreigners look at you for a moment and say, You drive a hard bargain. That must be some road. Deal. They correct the contract. You sign it. See the money secured in your account. The foreigners pull onto the road and drive away while you pack up and move somewhere. Uh, I don't know, let's say Hawaii, or a nicer part of Hawaii if you already live there. Sorry if that went a little long, but I felt we needed to lighten the mood a bit, because yeah, it's pretty bleak. And I hope you get an idea of what the Hawaiians might have been dealing with from their perspective. Just think of how big a deal this is. Because Hawaiians lost their land, they struggled finding jobs and medicine, which could have meant Hawaiians wouldn't be forced into backbreaking jobs and possibly more of us would be around today. Returning to Kawikeoli's reign, if he wasn't dealing with foreign representatives attempting annexation, there was always disease. The worst occurred during the California gold rush. 
Hawaii became inundated with U.S. foreigners who brought smallpox, which killed thousands of Hawaiians. Soon, these foreigners traded their dreams of striking the California motherlode for Hawaii by encouraging rebellion. As far as his personal life, like most royalty, Kawakeaoli married someone not far from his lineage, Queen Kalama. But their children died as infants. Remember, infant mortality was high. However, Kawakeaoli had a mistress, Jane Lahilahi, who was the daughter of John Young, who was an advisor to Kawakeaoli's father, Kamehameha the Great, and was mentioned in our Kamehameha episode. Jane bore twins. One died, but the other was adopted by Kawakeaoli and Queen Kalama. Through this turmoil, it is believed Kawakeaoli was going to sign over Hawaii to the U.S. However, all this took a toll on Kawakeaoli, who drank heavily to escape. His health deteriorated, and he died in 1854 at the age of 40. This stopped the annexation of Hawaii this time, and Kawakeaoli's 29-year reign was the longest of any Hawaiian monarch. Kawakeaoli tried his best to help his people and the kingdom of Hawaii. Kawakeaoli's adopted son was in line for the throne, but the throne went to another. And that's a story for another time. Today, it still surprises people when I tell them most Hawaiians don't own land. You see, most of the time when you buy a house in Hawaii, the price does not include the land. The land is on leasehold by the state or bishop estates. As for Kawakeaoli's ghost, well, he had a summer palace. It's tucked away, so getting there is a bit of a trek. But people have claimed to feel a presence there. You want to guess where it is? It's up the road from the Royal Mausoleum where Kawakeaoli's remains lay. Kawakeaoli's summer palace is in Oahu's supernatural hotspot, the Pali. While people and paranormal investigators have visited this location, even with my royal lineage, I'd pass on going there, because it's said the area was somewhere Kawakeaoli found peace. If you like what you heard, please give us a rating, write a review, subscribe, follow us, and share Legends from the Pacific with your friends and family. I'd really appreciate it. Enjoy brand new unaired monthly stories exclusively on Patreon, as well as other nifty benefits. So become a Legends from the Pacific Patreon supporter today. Send me your unusual Pacific encounters via our feedback link on our website or in our show notes and your story may be shared on future episodes. Our theme song is Mystery by Tavana, courtesy of High Sessions. Sound effects are by Sound Effects Factory. Our music coordinator is Matt Duffy, a.k.a. DJ Triple Bypass. Links and show notes can be found on our website, legendsfromthepacific.com, including a link to your featured song, which is A Kuule My Love by Kuana Taurus Kahele, courtesy of High Sessions. Legends from the Pacific was written, produced, and edited by me, Kamuala Kaneshiro. I also wrote our original stories. Our book's Kickstarter is now live. Links can be found on our website and in our show notes. 
So please swing by and back our Kickstarter today. Your featured Hawaiian word is mahele, as in the great mahele. Once again, mahele means portion, division, section, or zone. Thank you once again for listening. Mahalo and a hui ho. 